follow Jesus. Like, at least I'm in the vicinity. So just be glad that, like, I, I know I'm not in there like you. Everybody's not going to be like you. Everybody's not going to follow Christ like you. But look, I'm around, like, I'm outside the door. And, 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 and then John goes out to get him. <laughs> and what's so funny, what's so funny about him going to get him is that he probably didn't even want to go in any further. But this was the smack talker. This was the big mouth. This was the first to run his mouth. And many times we put Peter on the cross of what we wouldn't do. But I guarantee you, if we take a survey of many of our lives, there's so many ways that we've distanced ourselves from the Lord Jesus. We've distanced ourselves. So that brings me, brings me into the specifics of how he began to distance himself um, from Jesus. He also distanced himself from Jesus by denying him. Check it out. It says, it says, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. Then it says, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Now check it out. Now, John goes back out the door to go get your man Peter. When he goes back out to get Peter, as Peter's going into the door, I don't know if Peter kind of hid himself or what. She didn't know. She'd never seen Peter before. But in knowing that John or whoever this other disciple was, was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, when, when, he, when Peter was being brought backstage with his disciple, the girl automatically says, you're not, one, you're not one of them disciples, are you? And so what we see right here is we have to have Christ-centered confidence replace our self-centered confidence. You know, Peter had confidence. But the problem with Peter's confidence is it was centered on Peter, not Jesus. See, many of us in our society, we're being taught to, to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're, we're, we're talking like, like, especially, especially men, we struggle with not having confidence because looking like a punk in front of other cats, it, it all, man, I, I'm a man, I can handle it. Or ladies who want to make sure that in their vicinity that men don't look at them as less than say, I can do that too. So you may even try to take on a role. But in this passage, when you begin to see what the center of, 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 of is going on of Peter's denial, Peter's, the center of Peter's denial is he was standing in his identity he wasn't standing in Christ's identity so the same man that a few verses ago you know picked up a sword and look and look at the high priest servant cut a piece of his ear off here's a whisper from a servant girl and he crumbles under pressure let's look at what the bible means by denial 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 let's 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 see if we can define it denial is not living up to or fleshing out your identity in Christ or, listen, the core, the core of what makes Christianity Christianity. Us not fleshing out the core of what makes Christianity Christianity in relation to our identity. The Bible talks a whole lot about identity. I want to stay here. Can I park here for a second? When he talks about denial here in, in the New Testament, when you go over to 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says... If any man does not take care of his own household, he has 
denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Well, what, what, what is, how's he using the word deny? He's using the word deny, of course, in the context of widows who are looking for help from the church. And what happened is, is anyone that doesn't take care of people in their immediate, in their family, what happens is, is they have denied the faith. In other words, they're living less than their identity. The word identity, um, the word deny points the points to, um, you'll see it in Revelation chapter one, uh, chapter one. You'll see it in Revelation chapter two, verse 13, and in chapter three, verse eight. You'll see it all out through the New Testament, and you'll see two types of responses. For the unbeliever to deny Christ, listen, is to just deny the gospel. For the believer to deny Christ is to deny their identity. Because if you look in the passage, a lot of people teach that, that Peter denied Jesus as Lord. You will not see that in his text. This is where I get the identity thing from. Is he didn't, he didn't, he didn't push Jesus away as Lord or said that Jesus wasn't Lord. Peter, notice his denial. She asked him, was he a disciple? He says, I am not. What was Peter denying? Peter was denying his association with Jesus. He didn't say Jesus wasn't Lord. So in, uh, in, in him rebuking his relationship with Jesus wasn't rebuking the position of Christ, but he was, he was rebuking his practice as a follower of Christ. So this is very, very important uh, um, um, for Peter. And there are several things in this passage um, that played into Peter's denial. There's several things in this passage that played into DG's, uh, Peter's denial. One of the things I believe is overconfidence. Overconfidence separate from Christ's confidence. That's why the Bible says, I can do all things who, through Christ who gives me strength. But everything in our lives, even in your workplace, even in relation to your spouse, even in relation to, to your ability to remain pure as a single, listen, if you attempt to live in your own personal identity and try to live in your own personal strength, the enemy can sift that like wheat. Remember, right before Jesus said that Peter would deny him, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, I've prayed for you because the devil has made... He has made a, a, a petition to the throne of God. He says he asked specifically to sift you like wheat. And, and what happens is, is when we are standing in our own strength, it's easy to be sifted. In other words, sifting is pulling us apart away from the core of who we are in Christ. Because Peter was going to lead the church, if, if, if Satan can get to his identity, listen, everything that happens in our life that's an attack, from the enemy, it's really only symptoms to get to the depth of something else. And that's our identity. Listen, anything in your life, whether it's financial issues, whether it's marital issues, whether it's relationship issues, whether, I don't care what kind of issue it is, if it is a bona fide attack, what will happen is, is all of the stuff around you is not what the attack is really about. It's really about in that crisis attacking your identity in Christ. Listen, if the enemy can get to your identity in Christ, he's got you. He's got you. And so many believers wander through life wanting application of the Christian life, but don't want the identity of the Christian life. 
Give me the practical stuff. Give me the practice. Just give me the stuff where I can just, and that's good. But it has to flow out of. Remember, all of this plays on the tales of Jesus' warning. What did Jesus warn his disciples after he taught John 15? Stay with me on this. What did he say in verse 1 of chapter 16? He said, these things I have taught you so that you will not fall away. Fall away from what? Being connected in a unique relationship, knowing your identity through Christ pumping the nutrition of his character into your soul. That's what John 15 was about. It was not just about us getting stuff on the external, but it was about us having our identity uh, renewed and developed and laced through a renewed relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if you are not abiding in me, if you're not spending time with God's people, if you're not loving God's people, and if you're not sharing me with others, that's what John 15 is about. He says, you will fall away. He said, the reason why I said all of this is so that you won't fall away. And so right here, we see a massive application of what Jesus was warning us about. So our passion as believers is, is, I'm not talking about leaving a church, going to another church. That's not what I'm talking about, about falling away. I'm talking about not remaining in dynamic connection to Christ's means of grace. Christ's means of grace. What happened is, is when you begin to move out of the, and you'll see it here in the passage, more and more and more with the activity of Peter, but, but we have to be very, very careful. That we, and I'm going to talk about it at the end. What does it look like to be connected to our identity in Christ and not be isolated from our identity and in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? When Peter was saying that he's not a disciple, it's interesting. While Peter, and I'm going to talk about Jesus in a second, in relation to this passage, because he's in the next part of it. But it's interesting that as Peter is outside denying Jesus, Jesus is on the inside protecting him. I'll show you that in a second. But if you look at verse real quick, Verse 19, it says the high priest, when questioning Jesus about his disciples and teaching, he was discipling, he was asking him questions about his disciples and teaching. This applies to Peter's denial. Because in the mind of Annas, the old head high priest, in capturing Jesus, he wanted to get an inventory of who was following him. The reason why he wanted to get an inventory of who was following him so that he can know what type of threat he was dealing with. So while Annas is on the inside, biting his fingers about whether or not the people of God, who Christ discipled, was going to be a threat, Peter is outside denying him. And I look at this, and there's so much application in it for us today, is how in the, what, are we a threat anymore? Is, is the church, uh, uh, is our faith a threat to the world system anymore. Like, it, it, I, I wonder, 
whether the anemia of our denial and our passion for individualistic lives to build a life for myself and my family, which are good things, but they're not necessarily core because there are so many subtleties and language that we try to utilize to deny Christ on the slide. But the question, and we'll say, well, you know, you got to take it before you can do for others. You got to do it for yourself. And so we'll use all of these different ways and we'll always postpone Christ calling us in closer giving us opportunity for sacrifice. But remember, this was doing a crisis. And it and, and, and was powerful about a crisis. And you got Peter is the one denying. Peter talks about what to do in a crisis in the, the book of First Peter. This is important. Because First Peter is a book, especially it's about suffering, First Peter. It's about suffering and encouraging young saints who could fall away from the faith because they misinterpret crisis. Okay, so he what he does is he gives them their identity in Christ so that the crisis won't make them divorce themselves from who they are in Jesus. Now, what's powerful about what Peter does is interesting that the it's interesting that the the one who denied writes a book on it. But what's powerful is is Peter lays out several places practically that could possibly be an in-depth breakdown in your life in the midst of crisis. He first lists our relationship uh, to our civic, uh, our civic responsibility. That's number one. Number two, he, he talks about on your job. And number three, Peter does the last thing, he talks about in family relationships or our role as men, our role as women, or in marriage. And so what happens is, is that crisis are supposed to increase our ability to be developed in our identity, not to divorce us from the depth of our identity. And so what Peter does is he says, listen, don't let there be a breakdown in your identity when crisis comes, because many of us, our main tool, our main tool of rejecting our identity when crisis comes is isolation. Where is it in the text? It's right here. It's, he, says it, he says it right here in verse the latter part of verse 17, it says, he said, I am not. Verse 18, he says, now the servants and officers had made a, chain, a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also standing with them <laughs> and warming himself. Isolation breeds assimilation. Isolation breeds assimilation. Peter was following Christ. Stop at the door. Had John have to come get him. He gets brought in. John goes further in. Peter falls back and he stops. He says, listen, because the girl at the door thought I was a disciple because I was with John, let me kind of back up from John a little bit. Now, Peter thought that his isolation from John was going to exempt him from being identified. But what's so funny is, is he underestimated what his isolation was going to do. Many of us, when we go through a struggle, the first thing we do is we isolate ourselves. And the biggest people that, do, that, that, that does that are people who are introverted. You know, people that don't really like, you know, and the ones that say, I don't want nobody to know my business. You know, that's a step to denying Christ, because when you deny God's people the opportunity to help you continue to fight, John just already took him by the hand. After he got taken by the hand, he fell back. 
and as he isolated himself, he backed himself up into the corner with the very people that arrested Jesus. I'm telling you, when you begin to isolate yourself from God's people and from the Lord Jesus Christ, it's no telling what you're capable of. And you'll be backing up and you'll be isolating yourself and you'll think you're alone. But the Bible says that the enemy's like a roaring lion. And because the enemy is like a roaring lion, he loves to pick off sick calves that have isolated themselves from the flock. And when they isolate themselves from the flock, they, they think that they're going to be alone with themselves. I, just, I can just deal with me. I can just pray to myself. You know, I can get my word by myself. You know, I can do this on my own. I'm going to chill out. But little do you know that when you're backing up from God's people and Christ, you're backing up into another crowd of people. And that's the world system. And when Peter backed up, he found himself warming. It emphasized himself, himself. He was standing, warming him, taking care of himself. This is the same cat that talked big, big smack. That's what we got to be careful of as big hip hoppers. We talk a lot of smack. We talk a lot of smack on wax. We talk a lot of smack on relationships. But the question is, can that, can, can that smack talking or that swagger find its way into the redemptive hand of Christ-centered confidence? We have to be very, very careful because some of our braggadociousness that we've pulled from hip-hop culture could actually, actually be self-centered braggadociousness that will find itself picked off by the enemy. We have to be very, very careful at this. And so Peter isolates himself. He isolates himself in this crisis and puts himself around his accusers. Some people may say, well, what what about, all right, I hear you about all this isolation. I hear you about denying Christ. I hear you about all of this stuff. Now, Now, what about jobs that submerge you in the realm of the wicked? I mean, like, I got a job that stops me from being able to actually be around the people of God. To be, I mean, I like, that don't mean just because I'm not, you don't necessarily see, like, that don't mean I'm denying Christ. That don't mean I'm backing up. And you may also say, what if you are in an environment where, where there aren't many believers? What if, what if you're just in that environment where there's a, it's a key? This is the key application to that. The key answer is that when you are in a unique situation out of your control, especially a pioneering situation, a pioneering situation, stay with me, all of this has to do with identity crisis. A pioneering situation is when there is such a low barometer for the gospel existing and the people of God existing, that God gives supernatural grace. God gives supernatural grace to people who are either in time periods or places where there's a famine. Ask Joseph. Ask Joseph. Ask Jeremiah. Ask Elisha and Elijah. And ask Paul. They were giving an extra, but but some of us want to like always make that um, that the rule, like I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I am in that situation, but now you may not be in that situation. The question is, are you in a place where you are doing all of you, all you can to make sure that you're not sitting in the seat of denial of the Lord Jesus Christ, denying your identity. And so the depth of what, what Jesus is saying to us today is we see two relationships of two people and John, uh, uniquely poses what it looks like when uh, someone denies their identity, but then he dives into what it actually looks like when someone doesn't deny the identity, and he drops on Jesus. He says the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus asked him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught 
in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have, I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Why do you ask me? Ask those who, who heard me. What, what Jesus is doing is, is, is something powerful. Jesus remains faithful to his identity in the midst of crisis, and he does it in three ways. He does it in, in three ways. First, Christ remains faithful to his identity as rabbi or discipler or Lord to his disciples. How does he do that? Anna, Annas asked for questions about Jesus' disciples. Instead of Jesus, because Jesus knew that John was standing right over there. Um, and because he knew that his disciples was nearby, he didn't rat them out. He didn't put them on black. He does everything that he, within his power, to protect them, yet, yet sustaining the potency of his identity. Now watch what Jesus does. Jesus, look at, look, at verse, look at verse 20. It says, I have, I have, I have, I said, I said. Jesus takes the attention off of his disciples, and he says, ah, he says, listen, I don't want you, don't focus on my disciples. Focus on me. It's so powerful how that even when we're playing Jesus, even when we're living in a substandard fashion in our identity, that Jesus is taking care of us, y'all. Like, it's not a hopelessness for the believer. It's not hopelessness when we do refract from our identity, because all of us in Christ, that's what deny means, to deny your identity in Christ. But what's powerful is that Jesus encourages us by being faithful to his identity, because if Christ moves from where he is positioned for his identity, then that means there is no identity in Christ, because he's been moved now. But Christ remains in his place, he remains our Lord, he remains our King, and he remains our Savior, so he calls us to basically do the same, but it's powerful how Jesus even be interrogated and questioned at an illegal session by Annas is still faithful to his disciples. But that's not a reason for us. The Bible says, so should we sin that grace may abound? The Bible says, no, may it never be. That doesn't mean, well, let me just dumb down how I flesh out my identity in Christ so that Jesus can, you know, stand in his identity because he'll take care of business for me. No, the reason why Christ stand is, stands in his identity is so that we can stand in our identity. Amen? But then he goes further. Not only did he remain faithful to his identity in relation to his disciples, but he also remains faithful to God's word in the midst of crisis. All of these I have, I have, I've I've taught in the synagogues and and in the temples and with all the Jews together. I've done nothing in secret. One of the things that they wanted to do was they wanted to pub, they wanted to put Jesus as a Deuteronomy 13 false prophet. What that meant was, is that he wasn't really a faithful prophet to God's word. He was one of those people who were going out trying to lead people astray and talking in secret. In their world, whenever someone taught only in secret, that meant that they were a falsity. But Jesus says, no, nah, this is one of the only times where Jesus deeply engages in conversation. And this is not actually the, the court case either. But Jesus remains faithful to his own. He says, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I am being faithful. Like I, 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 I did. Of course, he did speak to his disciples in secret sometimes. Yes, but he always spoke publicly about pretty much the same things that he spoke with his disciples. So he wasn't trying to incite rebellion. So Jesus says, in the, even in the midst of this challenging circumstance that he's going through, and through all of his ministry, Jesus has been faithful 
to God's word in the midst of crisis. Peter lays out the, the anatomy of how Jesus was faithful in the midst of crisis in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 on. He says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow so that you may follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Jesus remained faithful to his identity by entrusting himself to God, rather entrusting himself to his own skills and to himself, which is, which is powerful. So Jesus remained faithful in the midst of crisis to God's people. He remained faithful to God's word. And finally, he's a, he just beast with his. Christ remains faithful to man's law in crisis. Check it. He says in verse 22, he says, when he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him. He says, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said was right, why do you strike me? This is powerful because everything about what they're doing is illegal. Number one, um, they were being secretive about their meeting. There was a night meeting. Number two, they were interrogating a witness when the law, uh, the law is supposed to allow the, the defense's witnesses to speak for themselves. So you're never supposed to just interrogate a person. They were directly interrogating Jesus, trying to catch him in a lie. But the law explicitly states that you're supposed to take witnesses, plural. And at first you're supposed to allow the defendant to get the opportunity to defend himself through his, um, through his witnesses. And then the prosecution is supposed to interrogate the witness. Jesus saying, yo, if, I mean, follow your own law, fam. Like, if, 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 like, if this is a real bona fide thing and you're walking in so much integrity, how much, you, how, why are you secretive? And, like, why are you not following all of the contours of the rules of, of, of the law? And, and also, he, also, also they, you weren't supposed to strike a defendant. They struck Jesus. And so that was also against the law because that was a way of making a person confess something that they didn't actually do. So Jesus, even in the midst of his crisis, remained faithful to even man's laws in the midst of his crisis. He didn't allow there to be a total breakdown of him functioning as a kingdom citizen. He showed us that we should not allow crisis to be an opportunity for us to back up from who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ ultimately acts as the, the, the most um, exemplary example of what it looks like to flesh out the reality of his identity while in the mix of a child. How, are you, how do you deal with crisis? How do you, what's the first thing that you do in crisis? Do you go into a, a shell? Do you back up away from people? Do you, do you pull back? And some, and some pain of crisis it is normal. However, many of us deny everything. We deny, I don't feel like doing this right now. I don't feel like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like repping Christ in this way. I don't, I, like, God is calling us that to be a people who allow the wine press, the Gethsemane of our circumstance, to be the springboard for our character being more vitally developed. I pray 
I pray by God's grace that we become a group of people, even though many of us are young in age, that we begin to deal with Christ's crisis better, that we don't allow crisis in our life to cause us to fall back before us to fall forward. Just some key takeaways, some implications to beware of. Overstating your commitment, self-centered commitment, dead self-empowerment, individualistic commitment, I do it by myself, compromising your nearness to Christ, underestimating how prone you, we are to save ourselves, Self-confidence, self-confidence versus Christ's confidence. We're supposed to have dependent courage, not independent courage. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, it says that our identity is hidden with Christ in God. It's hidden with Christ in God. So in walking with our identity in Christ, We have to, the reason why we talk about Christology so much as a central aspect of of, of everything that we do that permeates it, because if we are to be Christ-like and our identity is in him, that that means we must remain uncompromisingly apprenticed and learners of the Lord Jesus Christ on a pilgrimage with Jesus to God. And so it says our identity is seated with him in Christ. But, but not only that, Galatians 2.20 talks about the fact that we've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we that live, but Christ that lives in us. And the life that we now live, we live to the glory of him. So the center of our identity is living a cruciformed life. That means not a life of denial of identity, but looking for opportunities to flesh out and live passionately what our identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, our society, everybody is every, all over the place. So many people are, are, are in an identity crisis. Some stars start off because they've been, they've been pegged to be a particular way and they've been put out to the forefront and developed the pressure uh, uh, and attention towards a personality that was based on a marketing firm or, or the label but had nothing to do with actually who they were and they cave under pressure. Mad cats getting on drugs, getting in accidents because they're trying to put on an identity that's not actually there. Anytime you try to replace the identity, listen, that Christ has placed in you with something else in the midst of crisis, you're going to find yourself tumbling into the depth of denial. Why? Because God has called us in to be close with him. I like the way my man Paul says it in Philippians 3. Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, I have been lost in him that I may be found. He says, listen, when I, when I uh, 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 retract from my track record even, my resume, and I go and I plunge myself into Christ. He says what begins to happen is I begin to be found, but first we have to lose ourselves, fam. That means we have to, it's no matter how cool we are, it's no matter how cute you are, no matter how fine you are, no matter how many accolades you got, our identity is not found in the external of human accolades, but it's found in the depth of those things that are developed in the pressure cooker of circumstance to arise out of us the beastiness of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. My prayer, my prayer is that we wouldn't be standers by, that we wouldn't be people that are that that that, that shirk or or fall back from opportunities to grind for Christ. But while we move forward, that we're not bringing Christ with us because we don't bring Him anywhere, but we live out the identity that He's already put inside of us, and living that out, living that out as a beastly female. Living that out as a beastie female, loving God's ways more than loving the world's ways. Looking more at the scriptures and the women of old rather than looking at Ebony Magazine and the women standing up there, you know, up in the thing, you know, getting there. I, I mean, we're talking about women and men getting there, getting their identity from the Lord Jesus Christ, not from not from cats in the world. I'm telling you, man, I'm a dude. Man, I tell you, man, man, man. No, Christ-centered identity, not man-centered Voiceful identity because whenever you boast an identity that's not of Christ, you automatically put yourself in a situation to be sifted and put yourself in a place where you fall into denial. Will you affirm the identity that Christ has given you today? I don't care how young you are. You're not too young to flesh out God's identity. I don't care how old you are. You may have been fronting for years on your identity in Jesus. It's still not too late. It's not too late to begin fleshing out the reality of it. Stop denying him. Stop denying him keeping areas of our life off limits to Jesus. Open your life up to him so that the identity of what it looks like to live out the beauty and the glory and the, and the, and the matchless name of Jesus may flagrantly find its way into your life. And I guarantee that because you have a new nature, you will find that God will connect Brand spanking new affections to the things that he likes. See, the problem with the reason why we deny Christ is because we deny godly affections. And so what happens is when the opportunity to stand up is put in front of us and to live in light of our identity in Christ, we back up because that doesn't look attractive. But when you are fleshing out what it looks like not to, not distancing yourself, not putting yourself in isolation, but saying, I need y'all even more right now. I'm struggling right now. I need God's people right now. Can you, can y'all, I want to, I want to be alone and I want to do some crazy stuff right now. Will you, will you get with me? Will you call me? Ask me what's good, man. I, I mean, I don't need like you saying, yeah, let's hit, put my number in your phone, put your phone, number in my No, I need real, I need real in-depth relationship that keeps me out of, out of denying the Lord Jesus Christ and keep people around that help you to pursue him. This is a passion. This is a passion and this is a vision. This is Christ's vision for our lives, living out identity. Although we are hip hoppers, many of us, that is not our identity. That is not our identity. We are in the lost and found of the throne of God, seated at the right hand of Christ. That is our identity. That's our, and I hope, and I hope we get that. I hope we're not known for being the different church. The church that does it, they got two dudes and they got this and that. No, 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 no. The guys who don't dress a suit when they get, that's, I don't care about that. The question is, do we, are we marking ourselves as not denying in our time period the name of Christ? That's the question. And are we known, are we known, when, when Epiphany Fellowship comes to mind, are they known as a lethal community of people that fight never to deny their identity in Jesus Christ? We may deny how we wear our clothes sometimes. We may, we may deny everything. We may deny a whole bunch of things. But one thing we won't deny is we won't deny Jesus. And I hope that we don't develop a culture of people that aren't like us 
Like, like one of the big mistakes that American missionaries made is instead of taking identity of Christ Christianity to the world, they took, they took uh, Western Eurocentric American Christianity as the way of Christ, Christianizing others. And if you didn't dress a certain way, if you didn't look a certain way, you weren't a Christian. I hope that we said, well, he in a suit, so he can't be a Christian because you know, you know how they are, the traditional people. I hope we don't get like that. I hope we don't, I hope we don't become arrogant and we'll begin the process of denying Christ and isolating ourselves, not just from one another, but the universal church. I hope we don't punk out like that. I hope that we have the gall and audacity because of walking out the lethalness of the barometer of, our, of the name of Christ in our life, that Christ-likeness can see Christ-likenesses. Amen? That's what we are supposed to do. And I pray that that's our passion, that our, in, 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 in crisis, that we won't have an identity crisis, but that our crisis will be the crucible for Christ-like character. I hope that. I hope that suffer well, people of God. Situations come your way. Suffer well and get in contact with not, well, you know how I am. No. You know, I had to tell them. I, I had to give them a piece of my, I had, no. Nah. Christ-likeness in crisis. Pursue it. Pursue it. Don't undermine, oh, this is just the denial passage. I've heard this a thousand times. And don't let it whiz past you. Look at the depth of your application and see whether or not you're living it out in a beastly way. And we're going to grow in our ability to flesh this out. And I pray that we're beast in it. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to look at what it looks like not to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, in the passage it says... The cock, the rooster crowed. Lord God, I believe that the crowing of the rooster <laughs> was an act of chastisement to Peter, but also an act of mercy. <laughs> the rooster crowing was to call Peter back. The Bible says in Luke that he wept bitterly. We're going to see Peter's response later. Father, I pray that if any of us have been living less than kingdom certified in Jesus, that you would pull us back in from pushing ourselves away from you. Lord God, we want to be like John, who was so enamored with you that he didn't fall back, he fell forward. God, no matter what we go through, I pray that we would be able to become wise beyond our years because of difficulty. That the beauty of the light of Christ would blaze through our mortal bodies. Lord God, no, and we, we, we're asking this, Lord God, because it's so easy to allow difficulty and challenges to help us lessen the application of our identity in Christ. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would beast it out in us. Lord, maybe there's someone today who's denied the gospel or who hasn't hasn't trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. If you're here today and and you've never trusted Christ and you've, you've lived a life 
that is the earmark and the trademark, the hallmark, the watermark of somebody that doesn't follow the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> then he's calling to you today to believe in the fact that he died. And when he died on the cross, that your issues past, present, future are on him. But you've got to admit that you live in total denial of him. Christ will bring you into a brand spanking identity that's about being closely knit to him and knowing the Father rather than just having something new on the outside. You'll have something new on the inside. And so if that's you today and you want to trust Christ or you have more questions, in your bulletin there's a, there's a little card. Fill that out. Get it to one of us afterwards. And we'll be, we want to we talk to you about the gospel. Lord, bless the...